This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. In Ontario, after you finish law school, you have to complete the licensing process before being called to the bar. This is a Law Society of Upper Canada requirement. But once called to the bar, you're eligible to practice law in the province. Before 2014, the licensing process required law grads to pass the bar exam, satisfy the good character requirement, and complete 10 months of articling. But a problem existed in the licensing process as it was then because there were more law grads than there were articling positions. Many qualified people found themselves in a tight spot, unable to get licensed because the industry didn't offer enough articling positions. It's not uncommon for this situation to be referred to as the articling crisis. In an attempt to remedy the crisis, the Law Society of Upper Canada introduced the LPP, or the Law Practice Program, as an alternative and in addition to articling. As of 2014, law grads could choose to take an articling position or to complete the LPP. Now, approximately 450 grads have completed the LPP, and some stats are in. The Law Practice Program has a 100% work placement rate. 72% of work placements are paid, which is about the same as the percentage of articling positions that are paid. About 40% of candidates have been hired as lawyers in the place they completed their work placement. The Law Practice Program has a very strong diversity amongst its candidates. For example, in year one and two, candidates were fluent in 57 different languages. 75% of candidates who have completed the LPP became employed full-time in law within six months of being licensed. And the LPP has been able to innovate, leverage technology, and attract new opportunities for its candidates year over year, including introducing the Access to Justice Innovation Challenge, providing candidates access to the Intensive Trial Advocacy Program, and providing candidates access to the Leading Alternate Dispute Resolution Programs. Days ago, the Law Society of Upper Canada Professional Development and Competence Committee recommended ending the Law Practice Program following the completion of its third year, which is the current year for the LPP. Reason being that the LPP created a two-tiered system and a perception exists that the law practice program is an inferior option to traditional articling. In this episode, Andre Bacchus, Assistant Director in the LPP Work Placement Office, speaks to this development and more. The LSUC's convocation on November 9, 2016 will see a final vote to determine the future of the LPP. If you have an opinion on the matter, and I would say you probably should, considering the LSUC's decision will directly impact your future as a law student, you can communicate it to the Law Society of Upper Canada by emailing them at policy at lsuc.on.ca before their deadline of October 19, 2016. I urge you to check out the show notes for this episode at thelawschoolshow.com for links to the full law practice program report as well as the full Law Society of Upper Canada report. As always, if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at thelawschoolshow.com or message us directly through LinkedIn. Enjoy. Andre, good to be here with you again. Great to see you, Chris. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm sorry that I missed your partner in crime here, Rishi. Yes. I understand he's got a few things going on, so we'll let him do his work and uh, you and I can have the fun today. He's here in spirit, as yeah. always. Um, let's dive right in. So, 
We've done three interviews now already in the bank, so everyone can go back. I'll put in the show notes uh, which episode numbers those interviews are. Right. And they contain uh, a solid background on exactly what the LPP is, how it's evolved over um, the first two years. Right. And uh, some of the successes, some of the challenges you faced, and how you dealt with those. So if anyone's curious about that backstory, check those episodes out. We're now into the third year. Exactly. The third cohort of candidates going through the program. Um, So, you know, in a nutshell, describe the LPP for anyone who doesn't know what it is. Exactly. So thank you so much for coming and giving us this time as well. Um, Now that we're in the third year, we've definitely got a rhythm going with the program. We... um, the way the program is structured, and for those of you who are not familiar with it, uh, you have a choice when you're coming out of your third year of law school to either do 10 months of articling or do the eight-month law practice program. And the law practice program really provides you with a very comprehensive opportunity to develop your core skills. It's divided into two components, a four-month practical training component where you're running your own virtual law firm uh, for a period of four months from August to December. And during that time, you're grouped together with four candidates you're working on over 110 different tasks as part of that. So you're uh, conducting interviews, uh, managing a trust account, uh, closing a real estate transaction, negotiating a separation agreement, arguing motions, doing all the things that one would do in practice. And in fact, uh, in many cases, our candidates will turn around to say to us, is practice really this crazy and busy? And our response is, way to get out there. Uh, So those four months are jam-packed. They're across seven areas of law, uh, administrative law, family, criminal, business, real estate, wills and estates, as well as civil litigation. And in each of these areas, you've got files that you're working on, and you're juggling these files every day as part of your practice. So uh, from eight to six every day, you're you're working away with your team, uh, dealing with the things that come up, and sometimes you get thrown a curveball. Friday night, your client calls, and they're in jail, and you've got to deal with that. Or the motion you're going to argue on Thursday morning is not Monday morning, and you've got to work all weekend. So it's really an intense period where the candidates are getting a chance to learn and develop their core skills, and also getting an opportunity to really appreciate what it means to run a business. Because not only are they dealing with the legal work, but they're going to have clients who refuse to pay their invoice, and they got to deal with that. Or they set a budget up, and the client they surpass the budget, or they've got to stay under the budget, uh, and they've got to deal with that. They also have to construct a business plan. Uh, is that they were going to go to the bank and open up their firm live on the street. Uh, so they develop those financial literacy skills, uh, working with one of the major banks. And they also have to come up with an access to justice initiative where they get a chance to look at, uh, as a committee and as a group, uh, different ways of improving the justice system. And in fact, um, these candidates, as they're putting together their, their pitch, the top seven get a chance to do a Dragon's Den style pitch before the Chief Justice, the Treasurer of the Law Society, and a few other innovators in the legal field uh, to be able to see who, who's going to end up winning the, winning the challenge. And the winner typically gets a spot here in our legal innovation zone at Ryerson where they can further work on building uh, the item or the app or the package that they wanted to come up with to try to bring it to fruition. So it's quite amazing. They also get a chance to have lunch with the Chief Justice, of course, as well, which they, they do enjoy. Uh, so once the candidates finish those four months of the of the uh, virtual firm and their practical training, they then move into a four-month work placement. So that's been humming along this year. We've already got a number of candidates who've been hired. Uh, we're got a number of jobs that are posted and the candidates apply to these positions so they're applying to the jobs they get to pick where they go Uh, they're applying to in-house opportunities to legal clinics to private firms and to government departments and from there the employers get a chance to interview them and then determine who they want to bring on board for the four-month placement from January to April and during that time the candidates aren't on their own they're getting a chance to be uh, at the placement location 
they're getting a chance to work with the supervising lawyer who's there with them, but also the other lawyers that are part of the team, and we are checking in on them. So we're calling the candidate up to see how things are going and get their feedback, and we're also calling up the supervising lawyers to find out how things are going as well, to provide supports where we need to, but ultimately, the idea is that the candidates will hit the ground running come January 9th to be able to integrate well into someone's practice, whether it's in-house, government, private, or a clinic, and then to go from there to be able to uh, develop their core skills even more. And in fact, over the last two years, we've seen some great responses from our employers where folks have been hired back full-time into these organizations, and it's great to see because many of these places would never have had a student before. They can offer a four-month work placement, but they can't offer a 10-month article job. Uh, and this, from their perspective, is a great way to try before, if you will, buy and have someone come on board full-time. So we've opened up, over the last uh, two years, 440 brand new roles in the marketplace, and we're looking to open up another 230-plus uh, this year as part of uh, the third-year cohort. So it's been swimming along. We've been keeping busy, working over the summer procuring jobs, working throughout the season now, delivering the program, and uh, looking forward to see how things continue to unfold. We've also added this year in some new elements. I know you wanted to know a bit about what we've changed this year with the program. In the second year, we added an intensive trial advocacy program with Jim Seconder and Sheila Block from Tories. They've implemented that program with great success, so they're running it again this year with our third-year candidates. But we've also introduced now an in-house counsel concentration, uh, which will allow our candidates to hear a little bit more and learn a little bit more from uh, the in-house counsel folks uh, uh, and how they operate within their environments. 30% of our placements are with in-house counsel legal teams, which is wonderful to see because most of these departments would never have hired a student in the past. Now we want to be able to make sure that our candidates are even that much more ready to be able to go on site work with these folks and appreciate what the, what they're doing when they're there. So who their clients are, um, how to tailor their advice a little bit more, how to be a bit more of a business partner, if you will, with your with your client because they're internal with you. Uh, so that way you're a much more valuable player on the team. Um, so that in-house counsel intensive is ramping up as we go forward over the next number of weeks and the candidates will get a chance to hear more and learn more from that. So uh, cool. it's been quite exciting. Nice. The Law Practice Program is part of the Law Society of Upper Canada's Pathways Pilot Project. Correct, yes. Which, in essence, means that it is in a trial period. Exactly. And that the Law Society will vote in November uh, whether or not to continue the Law Practice Program full-time or to end it. Exactly. So where does the LPP sit um, with the LSUC in sure. terms of all of so, that? So the Pathways Pilot Project was developed uh, four years ago. And it contained a few elements. One of the elements was uh, to enhance articling itself because one of the problems the Law Society identified, in addition to the shortage of articling jobs in the marketplace, they also identified that the quality of the articling experience may not have been as great for everybody across all the, the, the different uh, uh, environments they were in. So they wanted to implement some changes that would help improve that process. And they've tried to implement a few. They haven't succeeded in all of them, uh, but they're continuing to push forward with some of that. Um, in addition to that, they also introduced the Law Practice Program, which would provide another path to getting your license in Ontario. So we are that eight-month path that has a comprehensive training scheme and program that ensures that candidates coming through the program 
all have the same type of experience, exposed to all the same core skills to develop them and, and all seven areas of law as part of it. So we can do that consistently across the board. So we've been doing that as part of our program. And the third element of the Pathways uh, pilot uh, is the approval of the LACAT program, where it's integrated into the law school where folks coming out of their third year of law school uh, would be able to go directly into practicing after writing the barrister solicitor exams. They wouldn't have to do any type of bar or LBP uh, program. Uh, so that's also part of it. So these are the three elements and pathways. Um, the element that's being discussed right now and that's going to be voted upon um, on November 9th by convocation is whether or not the LPP should go beyond these three years. So the way it was constructed is that it would have a three-year pilot with a two-year extension and uh, right now we have to find out if we're going to get that extension or not uh, for those two years and one of the big reasons for having it structured this way is to ensure that uh, enough data could be collected so the benchers could make an informed choice about the program. So we're hoping that the data that we developed over the last three years will help them in that but we do firmly believe that two more years of, of data would be tremendously helpful to continue to see the path of success that candidates have been on over these last few years. In fact, by the end of the third year of the program, over 600 candidates will have gone through the LPP. Tracking those folks over the next two years will really help the law study to appreciate where they're ending up in practice, the opportunities that have been created on a long-term basis, and also how they're able to serve a diverse set of uh, members of the community. Um, which we think is, is essential as part of uh, being the gatekeeper for um, uh, the profession um, and as part of their mission in protecting the public, ensuring that a robust licensing process exists where experiential learning and a, uh, an assessed experiential learning uh, process is in place and we deliver that really as part of it. So over the next number of weeks, I think there'll be plenty of discussion. My understanding and it's our understanding here at the LPP that uh, the subcommittee of the Law Society is recommending that the program be wrapped up at the end of these three years. Um, we believe that's a bit short-sighted, uh, not because we're the contractors, but because we are the folks on the ground who've basically seen and experienced the success of the candidates, the skills they're bringing to be able to protect the public, to ensure that they can serve the public when they get out there called to the bar. And we understand from our employers who've hired these folks back on full-time why they've chosen to bring them back on board, that they do have those core skills. And in fact, some of our employers who may have had Article students as well, side by side with some of our candidates, have commented how much more qualified our candidates were when they joined them in January versus the candidates who were in Article who just came straight out of law school. And we understand that because law school doesn't provide the same type of experiential learning that our four, our four months from August to December provides. So we'll see with the data that we're providing uh, how the how the convocation votes. We're hoping the discussion and the continued uh, dialogue around uh, what it means to protect the public by having qualified lawyers being called uh, is explored further. What it means to also ensuring that folks coming out of law school have a path to get licensed. If you eliminate the LPP altogether, let's say at the end of these three years, um, what is the option then? You have a shrinking number of articling jobs in the marketplace. Uh, you have a growing number of licensees who need to get called to the bar. Where then will folks be able to turn? How will they be able to finish and get over that last hurdle of being now able to start earning a living, having a license to earn a living, to start repaying you know, that huge debt load they come out with? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the law side proposes as being that potential solution or option. Should that um, 
should we continue? Well, we're the viable option that's working and that's providing opportunity. Should we not continue? Well, I think there's going to have to be some type of answer because you're going to have a lot of unhappy folks who, uh, you know, will be left out of the cold, if you will. And uh, what that means for them and their careers is a big question. Um, you'll also find, I think, as well, a number of employers who've hired in the past and continue to work with us asking, well, what do we do now? We can't hire a 10-month articling person. We specifically said that's not possible for us, but we can do a four-month placement, which is what we are able to offer. What happens to those 440 jobs that were created and the other 200 plus that will be created this year? Well, they then fall by the wayside as well, and all that benefit have been lost and all that hard work. And also then what happens to all the wonderful material that's been developed as part of the program. Uh, you know, you've got uh, 170 different lawyers who've worked on developing the, uh, the, the structure of the training component, who have participated actively daily in the training component, in having these virtual firm meetings, in, in, in giving advice to folks when they're working on their statements of defense and claim, or they're making submissions, or they're arguing motions, or they're interviewing their client. These are practitioners every day who are involved in it, who basically have now uh, helped to shape and help uh, all of the candidates coming through develop those core skills. Um, if that's not happening anymore, the big question becomes, where will they get those core skills from? Where, where, how will, will it work? What structure will exist? And you know, that's that's a big question. We we know that Arlington isn't offering that necessarily, um, and the shrinking number of roles uh, won't be offering opportunity. So where does it go? Where does it go? So we're hoping that uh, conversations with yourself and others uh, will promote the dialogue, and folks will, will want to look at uh, what's next, and we'll make an informed choice. The LSUC committee uh, gave as sort of its umbrella reason for voting not to continue the LPP, that it had a perception of being a second-tiered program next to traditional articling, right, right. Um, which makes the LPP not defensible. Right, right. So I'm just hoping you can comment sure, on that, please. Sure, sure. Uh, the idea that a, a perception is, is something that one can make a, a decision upon is, is just beyond me. Um, I think uh, you know, we're in a profession based on facts and based on, on, on looking at the detail to figure out what's working and what's not. Um, so, uh, you know, their idea and their perception is, is interesting that this entire decision is being based on that. Um, what I would say, though, is that definitely with a new program that's starting out, there's going to be some trepidation. There's going to be some question. Folks are going to want to see how it unfolds and, and where it goes uh, to be able to make an informed choice. Arguing has been around for 100 plus years. Um, it's got its reputation. Everybody did it. Everybody knows what it's about, more or less. They also know what it also contains. You know, when you're getting that coffee for somebody, when you're getting the dry cleaning, when you're doing all the other things besides learning how to practice law, uh, they also are familiar with how uneven the experience can be across the board. What they're not necessarily as familiar with is what the LPP contains. And that's understandable. There are 49,000 lawyers in this province. We've been around for two years and a bit. Uh, we're into our third year now. Folks are still learning. Um, so to have a perception about something that you don't don't know much about, that's one thing. But let's give people the time to learn as much as they can about it so they can start to appreciate what it contains. Inevitably, whenever we talk to a lawyer or any other member of the profession about what we're doing here every day, their immediate response is, wow, I wish I had this when I came out of law school, or I wish I did this before I took my first job. Um, 
And that speaks volumes because now they appreciate what's going on and they appreciate the core skills that folks have when they get out there. And whatever perception they may have held before is all of a sudden now starting to, to dissipate and they're starting to appreciate the core skills and the value of it. Well, you know, we're a small team. We can't talk to all 49,000 lawyers, but we try our best in reaching out and helping shape the, the minds that are out there a little bit and give them information that they can work with. Um, the fact that the Law Society itself hasn't been as much of an active member in helping to dispel some of this perception that's in the marketplace probably isn't a good thing either because I think um, you might have wanted to uh, be out there a little bit more educating the profession about the program to ensure that they are starting to appreciate what it means so they can participate. And also the perception that's mentioned within the report that maybe some big organizations, big firms in particular, didn't have to hire the candidates. Well, we had a couple of candidates at some large organizations, big, big firm, law firms. Um, but I'm not sure that that's an indicator of, of, uh, of success with the program because to be quite frank, large firms have a three-year hiring window that they work with and a path and a process that, that, that they move with. Um, and, and that's for them, and that's what works for them. The LPP may not be a structure that works for them. What I can tell you, though, it works for some of the largest corporations in Canada. It works for all three levels of our government, which are quite big employees of lawyers, and it works for our small and sole practitioners and boutiques across the province, as well as our legal clinics. And the fact that it's providing opportunities in all of these areas is, is wonderful to see. So the perception, whatever it's based on, uh, if it's lack of knowledge, well, you know, I don't think uh, you should be making a decision based on lack of knowledge. You might want to look a little bit deeper and get some facts and use those. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, you guys released a report recently that um, highlights some of the successes that you've enjoyed over the past two years and change. Yeah. So what, what was the purpose of the report? Sure. So we just, uh, as part of our obligation with the Law Society in, in a reporting structure as the contractor for the program, um, we have to report in regularly as to what we're, what, how things are going and provide updates. And we were asked to provide an update for their last uh, subcommittee meeting as to where what, what's happened with the program over the last two years and a bit. Uh, so we put together a report uh, that went well beyond what they were asking for to help them appreciate what, what's been happening. Is so the, Is the report publicly available? It is publicly available. So on our website, uh, ryerson.ca slash LPP, when you scroll down halfway down the page in our news section, a copy of the yellow report, three years of the LPP is right there to click on. And I encourage folks, read the report. It's, a very, it's, it's not a heavy document. It is a document, though, that cites tremendous number of facts that will help folks to become more informed about what we're doing. Uh, so we gave the report to them, and we also presented it. Um, the fact that we've created 440 jobs in the marketplace in just two years alone is extraordinary. Um, I think the Law Society tried a number of years ago to create our jobs uh, by making a bunch of phone calls, and I can't tell you how many thousands they must have made, uh, but I don't believe they came up with a handful of opportunities. In just two years, we've been able to create 440 jobs in the marketplace that never previously existed. In addition to that, we've been able to uh, open up eyes and, and, and ears and, and opportunities for folks who really, uh, in, when you look at the scheme of things, didn't have opportunities in the past. Um, our cohort in the first year and the second year of our program reflects the province of Ontario. Our bar has struggled for the last number of years to try to come close to reflecting the province that we're a part of and hasn't had much success. 
in just two years, we've been able to accomplish that challenge and, and, and accomplish that feat in, in a wonderful way. And in fact, we're seeing people in the boardrooms of large corporations uh, within practices across the province uh, delivering and, 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 and contributing in a meaningful way and having opportunity now. So that's wonderful to see. In addition to that, um, within one year of completing the program, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the first year cohort because that's where you can get that stat from now, within one year, 75% of our candidates are working in law or law-related opportunities. And we know the marketplace for law and law-related opportunities continues to grow as the specialization occurs within the profession even more, as technology and new ways of looking and processing from litigation files to corporate uh, uh, mergers to other areas of practice are, are coming on board, our candidates are trained to be able to access these opportunities and to be able to access them immediately and hit the ground running when they get there. So it's interesting to see that these jobs are coming up for our candidates and they're getting employed right away. Uh, the other thing that I want to raise with you as well is that in just looking at the second year cohort now, we've already seen within uh, with completing the program, 44% of them already being hired back or extended by their employers. And that's just within a few months of finishing the program. We're dying to see what that one-year number will look like and if it might even surpass that 75% mark that we had with the first year uh, program um, and the first group. So we're seeing progress and success as we continue to go forward. And ultimately, I think what we're trying to see with the program itself and, and, and deliver out there is that we're preparing lawyers to be part of the 21st century, preparing folks who have the skills, the ability, and the aptitude to address the needs that are in the marketplace, not practice the 19th century way or the 20th century way, which many of us have been doing for many, many years. But now the public has become wiser, the clients have become wiser, and they're asking for things to be delivered in a different way and in a more economically efficient way and in a way where technology can help them uh, to become a true partner with their lawyer. And our candidates are able to do that and able to deliver on that front. So we're seeing that happen more and more as our candidates get involved. And the e to j challenge is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to that. Um, we're seeing candidates now look at different ways of running their own practices and using some of the technology that we've implemented as part of their own practice in helping to create access and serve. So it's a wonderful thing to see. Uh, we'd like to see more of that happen as we, we move forward. If we're given the opportunity to see two more years uh, with the program, we'll at least get a chance to see a little bit more of that success occur and, uh, and inform folks about where we're, where we're going. We're also at the same time, I think, ensuring that the public itself is protected. And I think one of the big things that we all worry about is when we all come out of law school, once you get your license, you can do anything from mergers to murder. Well, you really don't have the skills and the abilities to do that but we're able to deliver on that. And our candidates are now able to be able to truly say when they come out, they have the skills to do the things that are needed to be done to run their practice, to successfully and to clearly advise and work with clients and know when they don't know what they need to know and go get it and know how to get it and where to get the support. Um, you know, I, I can't say that everybody has that opportunity uh, in every article spot they go into. Um, we all know that they can be different experiences. So. From our program success point of view, uh, our candidates are much better prepared to get out there. And the Law Society cited that in their own report themselves by saying that the quality of our training in fact surpasses or is superior to that offered in our claim. Well, if that's the case, I wonder why we're thinking about shelving it now after three years rather than trying to see where else we can take it.
the ability of the LPP to give licensing candidates um, a professional toolkit that primes them for success in the realities of today's legal market has always been one of the most impressive factors to me about the LPP. You mentioned uh, the diversity of candidates that yes. you attract. Why do you think that you uh, do that? I think a lot of folks when they're coming out of law school or when they're in law school as well, um, wonder what are their options and, and what opportunities or paths could they go on. We all know, and I've done this, you know, you, you and I both have done this, we were on a, a particular path to Wall Street or Bay Street. And um, we, you know, having been on that side of the fence hiring from, from Bay Street, I know how wonderful our, that machine can work and how well it, it, it's able to, uh, you know, provide light for that path and provide maybe some, some grease along the way to, to smooth it out as people move along it, uh, that conveyor belt. But the rest of the paths in the marketplace are not as clearly defined. The rest of the opportunities are not as clearly defined. And in fact, uh, it's a tough thing for candidates to be able, who want to go out into their areas, to find these opportunities and find a path. And sometimes these paths are, are reflective of diverse communities who don't want to end up in a particular place, but rather be serving their local community somewhere else, or be working in another area of law, whether it's in the clinic system or somewhere else, that um, you know, there isn't a, a clear uh, way to get to it. Our programs provided a way to do that because our employers are that vehicle. We've provided a great diversity of employers from large organizations and corporations all the way through the clinic system, governments, and uh, private practices. And I think when candidates look to our program, they realize, if I'm not sure what area of law I want to go into, if I'm not sure about, or I don't want uh, the Bay Street path, um, maybe the LPP is a better path for me because now I will get a broad set of training across seven areas of law. I have the ability to apply to opportunities from a variety of employers and I'd be able to pursue those options and then parlay those options later on into, into full-time roles or what other practices I go into. So I think the fact that we we attract a diverse candidate pool um, is indicative or a result of the options that we provide. Um, now, when I say a diverse candidate pool, we have everybody under the sun. Half our candidates come from Canadian law schools or Canadian law graduates. Half our can Canadian students are brought to study uh, in the US, the UK, and Australia. And a small percentage of that group that are, uh, that are returning home are lawyers who are qualified in a foreign jurisdiction who are now creating a new life here in Ontario. So we provide a path that works and it's a vehicle that works because they may not fit into the traditional hiring model that already exists because they're coming from outside. And for those who are here, um, it's a tremendously diverse uh, group of folks, uh, from folks who, uh, you know, are interested in, in, in different areas of law uh, across the board, but also folks who uh, represent the province themselves and the people who are here. Um, so not everybody is, 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 you know, is given this one mold that they have to fit into. They can be themselves and pursue what they want to pursue. So I think it's a really attractive option for folks. And when you look at the pictures of our cohorts from years one, two, and three, um, it's a really good-looking group, and it's a group that reflects truly the province that we're a part of. And we're very proud of that. Um, if the Law Society were to think of this as a diversity program, we'd probably be the most successful diversity program they've ever had. Um, so uh, on that front, I can put a big check mark to say, hey, uh, we've made a big difference, and we're helping to change lives and create opportunities. Well done.
I think a big point of curiosity for a lot of prospective candidates to the LPP is the work placement component. Yes. Um, they want to know what kind of employers are going to get exposed to, yeah. and is it going to be paid? Um, maybe you can speak to that a bit, giving some stats um, out of the report. Sure. So basically, um, all of our place, all of our candidates were placed in years one and year two, so 100% placement rate in both years one and year two. We're looking forward to 100% placement rate here in year three as well. Um, and the way that we can achieve that 100% placement rate is because we're working both with our candidates and our employers to make sure that everybody's moving along through the process to be able to land that opportunity. Now, what opportunities are out there? Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, we have 30% of our roles are in-house legal departments. Corporations that range from uh, places like Acon Construction and Infrastructure Ontario, uh, through to the major banks, RBC, BMO, uh, Scotiabank, and others, as well as uh, the drug and pharmaceutical companies that are out there as well. And one of the wonderful things about these in-house legal departments is that when they come to us, they tell us we're looking for folks with particular types of experiences. So if it's the drug companies, maybe you want folks who have science backgrounds. If it's some of the banks or other places, if they have a business background, that would be fantastic. Our previous banking experience would be more wonderful. Uh, and when it comes to some of the other areas, let's say construction as an example, have you got any engineers or architects as part of your team? And because we attract a diverse, client, uh, a diverse group of candidates, um, they come with previous experiences, whether through their undergrad or other work they've had before, so they now can capitalize on that experience and hiring them. Outside of the in-house legal teams, we also have a number of uh, we also have a number of uh, employers uh, across the spectrum, from small and sole practices to medium and specialized firms. And these firms are coming to us now to say, "Hey, we we would love to participate. Uh, we're not a place that can really absorb someone for ten months, and we can't expose them to every area of law, but we want to get involved. And you know, how can you assure us?" that the candidates that are going to be coming to us, um, one, will have some exposure to the work that we are doing, but also we won't feel guilty that they're not going to get exposed to other things. And our response is, that's exactly what we're about. In those first four months, they're going to get these seven areas of law, 110 different tasks. So they can easily hit the ground running when they come to you, and you have no way of feeling guilty if you don't expose them to this item or that item because they will already have been exposed to it and develop skills as part of the training component. So there are opportunities that they can go to. When it comes to the clinics, we have clinics across this province who are struggling to attract folks at times. In, in regions where maybe folks aren't applying for an article role, or maybe the funding isn't there for an article role, or maybe just folks don't want to be up there. And all of a sudden now, uh, by posting a four-month opportunity, uh, our candidates have the chance to try out that area, that location, and determine if maybe this is a place they could move to. And if it's a place they could move to and build a life, it's now a long-term hire for that clinic to be able to service the community that they're in. So the candidates get the benefit of trying it before they buy it in a way, and the clinics get that opportunity as well. Uh, so it works out nicely. So you've got the clinics and uh, the clinic system. And then, of course, we have the government roles. And of course, government hires our clinic students, of course, but they also hire LPP candidates, and our LPP candidates are part of the same pool of hireback that's offered within the government. So we have a number of ministries at the provincial level, departments at the federal level, and at the municipal level as well that hire our candidates, and, and folks have access to those opportunities. So across the board, the number of choice and the opportunities that are there, candidates decide freely who they want to apply to, 
and ultimately where they where they end up. Now, when it comes to paid opportunities, 78% of our roles in year one were paid, 72% of our roles in year two were paid. So there's a small percentage that are unpaid, and that's you know a function of budgets and economy and what the employer can do. But the candidates themselves get the choice to decide where they apply and where they go. We're not telling someone they've got to take this job or that job. In addition to that, let's remember that in the articling world, there's a huge percentage of unpaid opportunities. And it's interesting to note that in the Law Society's report itself, when they determined you know, the number of paid articling roles that are out there, they had a very low response rate to, uh, to their survey. So in fact, I think it was less than 44% responded to the survey. And the consultant who prepared the report mentioned that the statistic that they're relying upon is a very suspect statistic and it, you know, it, it's, it's not a fair representation of what's in the marketplace. So whatever that number is they came up with as the paid articling spots, it's a very small percentage they got the answers from. So we don't even know how many unpaid articling jobs that are out there, but I can tell you that I suspect that it's about similar percentage-wise to what we have when it comes to our, our unpaid roles. Interesting. Yeah. Um, innovation is a big part of the law practice program. Um, I'm hoping you can give us a couple examples of uh, the curriculum and how you use technology and innovation to prepare candidates for realities in today's market. So we're fortunate enough to be part of Ryerson, which where innovation really finds a home. Uh, the, uh, the DMZ is, is a hub of innovation uh, in general. It's the third uh, uh, placed incubator in the world and it's here at Ryerson. And they've now been able to open up a legal innovation zone, which is our sister department right next door to us. And uh, the innovations that come from there help to influence what we do within our program. So this year we were able to produce a new tool called Clausehound, which utilizes um, not just a precedent database, but a precedent database that's beyond being annotated, but will allow folks who want to have access to this technology to be able to much more efficiently and easily put together documents for their clients in a way that makes sense and will also be much more cost effective in the end for both the lawyer and the client. So we're already introducing that as part of the third year of our program. But even before we got to the third year, we were using technology from the beginning. So our candidates are using Clio, which is a Canadian-developed tool, to run their practice. Uh, and it's wonderful. It allows them, whether it's on their mobile device or on the desktop, they're able to access all the things they need to access to be able to manage and run their practice, from opening and closing files all the way through to docketing their time. Uh, in addition, and running complex checks and the, and the like. In addition to that, we also are using all the tools that you know, a typical large firm might use when it comes to doing research. We have full access to the LexisNexis suite, full access to the Westlaw suite of, of tools and products. Uh, we also, at, at the same time, encourage our candidates to explore the other tools that we have as part of our intranet that they can use freely, that they might want to be involved with. And it's not a situation where we can get candidates to use every single tool that's out there because, to be quite frank, over the course of 16 weeks or 17 weeks in the training component, it's a lot to digest. So if they want to explore other software packages or other elements, they can definitely do that. But one that we do uh, make them use is the uh, Terranet Terraview uh, software, which every real estate lawyer must use to close their real estate transactions. And these guys get to close a transaction live as part of that process. And it's amazing when they go into their placement and the employer realizes that they understand what they're doing, they're like, how did you know how to do that? Well, we actually just used the tool you know, a few weeks ago to close our own real estate transaction. So we're trying to ensure that these tools are all available. When it comes to the innovation side of it, so I just talked about the tech and the software. The innovation side of it though, when it comes to how you serve your clients, 
WebEx is a perfect tool. Remote conversation with your client face-to-face is becoming more and more par for the course when it comes to practicing. You see lawyers using co-location spaces, um, hoteling suites. I understand some of the big firms down on Main Street now are opening up hoteling suites and shrinking the footprints in those expensive buildings. Well, we're already doing that from the beginning of our program with all of our candidates. They only come to our campus three uh, times during the course of the program for three in-person weeks, one at the beginning, one in the middle, and one toward the end. The rest of the time, they're using the Ryerson infrastructure and the technology that we have available to us to be able to remotely talk to each other face-to-face as part of their virtual firm, with their mentors, with their assessors, with their clients who are played by actors, uh, who you know, are, are fully trained by the Ryerson team here to be able to be in that character and in that role. So when they're interviewing them over WebEx uh, live on the screen, it's, uh, it's as if they're sitting in the same room. But no one's paying for that footprint of real estate where they're meeting in that boardroom. But they're doing the exact same things they won't be doing in that boardroom if they were there together. Uh, so it's, and they're being assessed because you know, their mentors can watch live what's happening. And the idea here is to make them much more comfortable, to be able to work with folks in that way. Because you know some of the clients are going to be based in rural settings or in other settings where you can't get to. And why take a flight over there when you can just connect up online? and be able to have that conversation and to be able to get what you need to get the job done and to be able to deliver it effectively and cost-wise uh, for the client. So these are some of the different pieces of innovation that are part of our program uh, from the beginning. In addition to that, you have the Access to Justice Challenge we talked about, the business plan. I don't know any law student has to pick, put together a firm business plan as part of their training, but our guys have to. And the quality of those plans are so good that if a person decides to go open their own shop after the program, in essence, they could potentially change the cover page and do that, and a bank would look at it and speak with them about it. So it is, it's that idea of pushing the skills development and ensuring that it's integrated directly with everything that's happening. So for us, innovation is key. Uh, it's absolutely key. And, and Chris is fond of saying, uh, Chris Bentley, the executive director, is fond of saying that you know, we never stand still. Change is a constant for us, and we want to make sure that our candidates experience that because change will be a constant for them when they're out there practicing on a daily basis. In addition to that, the LPP gives its candidates access to a mentorship program. Yes. Maybe you can give us the broad strokes. Sure. So the mentors are assigned as part of the virtual firm. So the way that it works is that uh, every virtual firm has a mentor and halfway through the 16 weeks, so about the eight week mark, um, they will switch mentors. So they'll have a new mentor that they're given as part of their virtual firm. And that mentor is someone they meet with on a regular basis. So definitely once a week, but likely more than once a week as part of their WebEx discussions. And one-on-one they can meet with them and as part of their virtual firm. And that mentor is designed uh, to be able to give them advice on the work they're doing, provide them feedback with what's been happening within their firm, the quality of their work, as well as to be able to help them to appreciate maybe how to get ready for that interview, how to be able to um, uh, think about the options that are available to them what paths are out there when it comes to opportunities in the marketplace later on after the program. And these are solid networking relationships that are being developed uh, by the candidates and the mentors. And in fact, many of our folks stay in touch after the program. And one of our mentors, uh, we were out in the Halton region uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, presenting to the Halton uh, Legal Association. And uh, one of the mentors who was happened to be there uh, was going to be presenting about his role as a mentor and what he was doing. And he pulled out of his pocket a note that he had just received two days ago from his one of his former mentees 
who thanked him profusely in the note for the advice that he, uh, he had provided to her, um, for the quality of mentorship in general that uh, they were able to uh, develop during the, the program, but also the advice they shared afterward because it helped her land her next job. And she was so proud to share with him the success that she was having. And for us, that is wonderful to see because that is now a mentor and a relationship that would never have otherwise existed and may have never otherwise connected uh, in the marketplace. So in addition to the mentors they have as part of the virtual firms, and there's two of them, they're also going to get cross-exposure during the in-person weeks to other lawyers in the profession because we have uh, teams of lawyers who show up during in-person weeks to conduct assessments for us, uh, who are there to monitor the client interview, who are there to judge the, the, the negotiation uh, session, who are there to uh, listen to the motions that are being argued, and those are other relationships that are happening. And then beyond that, the 240 candidates who are part of the program are also developing their own network. And they're developing those relationships now among themselves that they're developing a network of mentorship among their peers. And that's fantastic to see. Awesome. I want to talk a little bit about uh, specific candidate successes. Sure. Um, but before we do that, what maybe you can def- tell me how the Law Practice Program defines success for its candidates. Sure. So for us, success overall, I think, begins from day one when we see candidates uh, growing from when they started. So. We recognize that that first client interview that candidate might be involved with may not be the most smooth endeavor or situation. But by the third interview, they're that much better. And by the fourth and fifth and sixth, they become much more comfortable and confident. So that is one of the, the hallmarks and the keys of success that we look for, is that growth and development. And if folks hit that uh, point early on in the game, wonderful. There's always room to grow and improve. They can continue to do that. If folks hit it towards the end of the 16 weeks, wonderful they've hit it but the ultimate goal is that they must demonstrate that confidence that level of confidence and success as part of those 16 weeks so that's the first element of success is completing the training component the next element of success then is going into the into the uh, placement situation for the next 16 weeks from January to April and having that employer comment and provide feedback about how they're they're performing and success there is definitely where the employer says well I can't believe you, you knew how to do this or I'm glad you're able to show me how to do this because you're bringing a new element into my practice. Um, and that's great because when we have those phone calls with employers and they're telling us how amazing the, cl- the candidate's been doing, it puts a smile on our face and it's a story that we share with our team because we want folks to understand that what we're doing makes sense and that the, the candidates continue to grow and develop and now the marketplace is seeing that. If a candidate is hired back by an employer, that's a wonderful success to see as well. But we, what we can't do though is judge hire back as the definitive arbiter of success because our program was never designed as a hire back program. Our program was designed as a four-month work placement that the candidate would have and if the economics are there for the employer and the relationship develops in a way where the employer sees a need and is able to swing it, it's a bonus, the hire back. So we never want hire back to be seen as the arbiter for success because that isn't what this is about. And we all know that employers have little control over their economics sometimes. They might have a great candidate that they want to keep on board, but the budget isn't there. Uh, or the piece of work they were counting on to come in didn't come in. So we, we can't judge just on that. But what we can say is that from the folks who have been hired back where that circumstance has presented itself, 
we count those as great opportunities and a bonus on top. So whether it was with Acon Construction and you know one of our candidates uh, who's in the first year of the program, Sean Lau, uh, he was hired by the uh, by the employer uh, for the four month work placement, was extended, was given a contract, and has been now with that employer ever since, and is now one of their in house counsel and is also one of their project counsel uh, as part of the team, and he works as part of hiring now their other counsel that they bring on board. Um, we've got folks at BMO. In fact, one of our our candidates in the second year of the program, um, uh, Nina, uh, was hired uh, by BMO as a senior counsel. She's a lawyer who practiced in Germany, banking law, uh, who did her four-month placement with BMO, and they were prepared to offer her a senior counsel role with them afterward. So that's great to see. They recognize the talent, the skills that she brought to the table. When I look around and I see um, some of our candidates who decide to, to work with the private firm that they were with uh, for the placement and now striking out on their own to open up their own shop. That's a wonderful piece of success. And our alumni panels with Eva, uh, with Vanessa, uh, who were here uh, speaking to the candidates during the in-person week uh, in August, were telling us about their successes in opening up their own practices. The fact that the program gave them the confidence, the tools and the skills, and the financial literacy to be able to now go out there and open their practice. That's just great success to see. So for us, success comes in many different forms. Um, and the fact is that I think for every person who's in the program, uh, by completing the program, they have succeeded in, in accomplishing one of their goals. But by being called to the bar, they've also you know, got over that final hurdle. And now by continuing to get involved in practice or other related roles, they're now seeing and enjoying the fruits of their labor over all these years. So for us, that's great success, and we're looking forward to seeing more and more of it as we go. Very nice. Um, I think we did it. Wonderful, wonderful. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, close with before we sign off? Well, for the listeners that are out there, for those of you who are debating whether or not the LPP could be for you, I encourage you to think about it carefully and seriously. Look at our website to learn more. Talk to our alum to learn more. And I also encourage you fervently, reach out to your Law Society. Reach out to the folks uh, at your schools, at the society, the lawyers that you know, to share with them why you think this could be a path for you. If the demand is there, I think the Law Society may have to reconsider and, and, and think about why two more years at least should be necessary and then where we might go further down the road. But it will require candidates or potential candidates like yourselves to be voicing that concern, folks like ourselves to promote the successes of the program and the lawyers in the community to be able to share their stories and to be able to work together to continue to provide opportunity and also be ready to help ensure that the next generation of lawyers are well prepared for the future of our, of our profession. So I hope that all of you will be part of that. I would like to be part of that. It's been an exciting uh, two plus years so far, an exciting third year as we begin it, um, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing where else we can go with it. Very nice. Thanks, Andre. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate it. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show. Career advancing advice right to your earbuds.